In Titus 2, older women are commanded to teach what is good so they can help younger women love their husbands and children. On today's show, you'll hear from older women who will share timeless, relevant biblical wisdom and personal, profound life experiences to help answer your questions and teach what God says is good so you can be the wife and mother you were created to be. Welcome to another episode of Older Women Likewise. Welcome, viewers. Panel, how are you tonight, Dana? What's going on in your life? Freezing. You're freezing. <laughs> Snowed in and iced in and plumbing problems, but other than that, it's great. What's going on at your place, Colleen? Well, I am busy developing a uh, materials for a class uh, for women on life in Bible times, looking at how life was for people, different. Uh, just different customs that went on at the time. And uh, so that's what I'm doing. Busy, busy with that. Well, we have a little happy coincidence, coincidence going on then, Colleen, because Mark and I are hosting a party tomorrow night called, we call it the Feast of Jubilation, and it's a celebration of Bible customs. So we're going to put on old music. We're going to put turn the lights down, put candles up. People are bringing over all kinds of foods from the Bible. And they are uh, going to wrap like, over their clothes, put like uh, sheets and stuff for their togas, and it'll be pretty interesting. We've been doing this since we, for probably a decade, so it's new to the new friends in Florida. So anyway, we could use a little bit of advice about like what <laughs> what are these? Because we were going to do a little trivia questions about Bible customs and such oh, yeah. you know, from the ancient cultures. So anyway, Jill, what is going on in your world? You're turned off, Jill. Excuse me. We're just keeping on keeping on. Uh, Hanging tough. And that my husband and I are both retired, so we do a lot of things together. Yeah. Well, good. A lot of variety in your life, I hope. Yeah. <laughs> Very good, very good. Well, I just finished reading my all 499 pages of my book and editing that. And so lots of other side projects related to it, but super, super happy uh, to be done reading it and finding all, all of the typos that I, I hope are in there. So that's what's going on in my world tonight. We're going to have an interesting conversation though about focusing beyond the here and now. And so we're going to be talking about as we live life in light of eternity, how do we evaluate which activities are essential in life and which are not? We're gonna talk about how do we ensure that our lives are fueled by the best motivations and what are the advantages of having our hearts and minds truly set on things above rather than merely this here and now. So thank you for joining us uh, for this very relevant conversation. And so we want to kick off this conversation with talking about the scriptures that help remind us to live life in light of eternity. So, Jill, what was uh, one or two scriptures that you thought about? I, I, I'm drawing a blank, Cindy. I'm sorry. <laughs> I've got one. 
lesson. Um, All right. That's okay. I have, so, I jump in? Yeah, uh, please do. I, I wanted if, uh, if we could bring up Matthew 6, 19 through 20. Uh, we're so fortunate to have this, uh, that Jesus shared this little behind the scenes truth with us. Otherwise, it would appear that the good work we do just kind of falls flat. Sometimes we, you know, invite people to church or we ask them if they want to study the Bible with us. And, and it just seems like it falls flat. But, but you know what? In reality, every good work defies gravity and makes its way to heaven, no matter what the perceived outcome is here. So let's read this Matthew 6, 19 through 20. Jesus commanded, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. It, all, all, the thing, all the good works we do, all the things that we do to honor God and to glorify God and to bring people to an understanding of Christ, those are all, no matter what happens, no matter what the results, even if the results are negative or mm -hmm. they're no, <laughs> nothing, yeah. not, not what you were expecting. It, the, they, all of those, if nothing else, they all go on ahead to heaven. Um, and, and if our works are treasures in heaven, then we should be clamoring to work. Yeah. Yes. I love the passage that says your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You know, it kind of goes along with that idea of none of that is wasted work. Um, you're right. Don't just don't be like the farmer who would, you know, a farmer would never plant seeds and then just stand and stare at it. He just keeps planting. You keep working. You know, God gives the increase. And so you can stay encouraged when you're trusting God that your labor is not in vain. And Dana, I'm pretty sure that if if I were inviting people to church and then they were showing up in droves, I would be motivated to just keep inviting because uh -huh. wow, all these people are interested. But if they don't, I can't let that stop me. I'm still right. obligated to share the gospel with people. Yes, right. you will be rewarded. You will be rewarded for that. You know, you look at the fruit of, for example, Noah's life. Like, okay, he preaches. He preached for how many? How long did he preach? You know, and so he is considered a success story. You know, he's a hero of faith because he just kept going. Yes. Fix your eyes on Jesus. That's where where the goal is. And so, Dana, what are some scriptures that remind you to live life in light of eternity? Um, one of them that I thought about was in First Peter chapter four, okay. and um, in verse one, and then I want to skip to verse ten through seven. Um, but in First Peter four verse one, it says, "Therefore." Since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind, for he who suffered in the suffered in the flesh has ceased from sinning. He that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. And and I just think about how I mean this is telling us we shouldn't keep living for this flesh, but for what God wants. And of course, God being eternal, that's what we're talking about tonight. And then skip down to verse seven. And it says, but the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. Um, and above all things, have fervent love for one another, 
which is kind of what Colleen's talking about, the good works. Love, love will cover a multitude of sins. He says, be hospitable to one another without grumbling. And then it says, if anyone, um, if anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. That tells me the things I ought to be talking about are, again, those eternal things, the things of God. And if anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability with God, which God supplies, that in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. And that that's what, I mean, to me, that just kind of sums up this whole point of our life is we're here to glorify God. Um, and, and, you know, just, just, to put that in a personal standpoint, you know, I paint and I teach painting parties and it's kind of like how trivial can you get when you talk and compare that to spiritual things? So I think it behooves me as a Christian to use that. Yeah. To God's glory. And, and for me, it's a great way to make contacts. Oh, absolutely. And, and you're sitting there for two and two and a half hours painting and talking. And, and so I think there are everything we do, we need to put it in the context of eternity. And how do I get, how do I turn this for spiritual things? We're all told, told to work. We're all told to, to be busy about taking care of our families and our household, but we're also told to put it all in the context of eternity. Daniel, yeah. that's pretty heavy stuff that you're talking about. What are what are some? Can you think of something that you you've been a Christian for decades? Can you think of something that you did long ago that really helped you to get to where you are now? Um, I think the surprising thing of in conversations and people responded and people became Christians. Um, many years ago, 30 something years ago, I used to get my nails done, get, you know, acrylic nails done. And we lived in the Virgin Islands and there was a, a lady that I, and I had to hunt for somebody who did it. And she only did it at her home. And she did one person at a time. So it's just her and I, and we went, I went every week and I started going every week because it was just her and I, and we talked and we talked. And over about a month and a half, two months, she agreed to do a Bible study with me. Seven weeks later, she obeyed the gospel. And she's still a Christian, faithful, and has brought many people to God. That was impactful when I was in my early 30s. Um, mm -hmm. And I think those kinds of things motivate you to, as you said, if people are coming by the droves, well, I mean, unfortunately, that didn't usually happen, but one by one. And I could tell you many stories like that. And so you, I, you have to remind yourself, uh, I'm not just getting my nails done. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and I was getting my nails done, but how do I use this? You know, so I always tell people, say, say to women when I'm doing retreats, go ahead and get your nails done. <laughs> just, just use it. And, and I think we can do that in so many aspects of our life. And y'all have done the same thing, I'm sure. Yep. Yeah. What would you like to add to this, Jill? I'm learning tonight. I'm learning a lot. Um, that's, 
it really is important that everything you do, you have to keep God in mind. Everything you read, everything, everyone you talk to, you, you, you just have to keep your end goal in mind. Uh, you know, I was a school teacher and worked with young children and, and I always had that idea that I might not be able to directly teach the gospel to them, but I can show them ways that God would approve of and I can help them understand about I can I can act myself as as someone they might want to emulate one day yeah every time we're with people uh out in our communities all of that's an opportunity volunteer work I mean even taking a walk for me a lot of a lot of the um I love to walk with a sister in Christ and so walk and talk kind of thing so yeah all kinds of opportunities when we're with other people the verse that I thought of about um, that reminds me to live life in light of eternity is Colossians chapter three, verse two, that simply says set your affections on things above, not on the earth. So that one really speaks to the heart of the matter. And I think I've learned a lot about when I've been with people that are walking through the valley of the shadow of death in life. I mean, like they're, um, you know, I spent some time with Matthew Basford before he passed away and these other people that, you know, you're with them, maybe they have a long progressive um, illness and they know that, you know, they're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. They have such clarity about them that I find that um, really what I want to try to have all the time, you know, even if I'm in good health, that I want to have that sense of gratitude for life and how precious life is and you know to use it in a way that shows the people i love you know to make make our priorities straight to show love to the people around us and really just follow our purpose with clarity and Cindy, so was there an example with matt or others that you can a specific example of the clarity and the way that they thought or spoke. Yes. Well, I actually have, I think about 10 pages of, if you go on to Facebook and, and just look up Matthew Bassford's Facebook page, he has some beautiful things about things that he wanted to communicate to his children before he left this life, you know, about, you know, he's like, I have four expectations for you. I want you to love God. I want you to be diligent. And, and so it was just a reminder when I read that, you know, what do I want my kids to know before I go? Um, but he really just had people coming in. He was in a wheelchair and people came in and he would be comforting them. You know, they'd be coming and crying and this and that. And so it was really a beautiful example. And he just did the best he could to use his time to really battle the darkness in terms of where our culture is going and why it makes sense to base your everyday um, actions on the fact that God exists and the Bible is his word and how really any other worldview fails, especially if you're on your deathbed, you know what you know what's working and not working in terms of um, clarity in life and what makes sense and so right. his faith got stronger and stronger the closer he got to death so, so yeah that's a few of the examples there so 
Second uh, part of this question was, how do we evaluate which activities are essential in life and which are not? And you guys have all kind of made a point where no matter what activity you're doing, you can kind of turn it into an essential conversation, right? Um, but what other thoughts did you have on this, um, Colleen, on how we evaluate which activities are essential in life and which are, are not? Well, I say that we need to look at what we're doing every day and really, really think about it and do a spiritual or a salvation task. Try to do a salvation task every day. And that means something that affects somebody else's salvation or, or your own. But, you know, that would be inviting somebody to come and study the Bible or things of that nature. There are lots of good works that we can do, but I say that you know, we need the, the salvation tasks are kind of difficult. It can be an awkward exchange, but but we need to have our minds on that and focus on that daily. And I, I think it does help to have some little practical ways to keep yourself from failing or forgetting. Uh, for one thing, I have little cards that I keep with me that say uh, where where we worship and what time and the website and a little bit about what we believe. And mm -hmm. I, I keep them in my purse. I keep them in, in little places where I know where, where I'll be able to get at them, keep them at work in my, at my desk or mm -hmm. so that it's not like I, I end up in this situation and I want to give them more information and Oh, I don't have a card, but just little stuff like that, making sure that you're prepared and make that a priority. I also write down, the names or who I invited, you know, the mm -hmm. clerk at, you know, at the store or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I'll put them on a, on my calendar. I'll just write, you know, the clerk or so-and-so name. And then I keep track for the year and I, and I see how many people I've invited and I can pray for those people. Just some practical ideas for keeping that ball rolling. Mm -hmm. It was really interesting calling when we were traveling, seeing what different congregations did along the lines that you're, describing and I remember being at one of the congregations in Tucson, Arizona and and their practice there was everybody tracked the number of people that they invited in some way and it could be anything from leaving something maybe for the waitress to find when you know when they exited a restaurant or it could be a one-on-one -on -one conversation or whatever there's hundreds of ways this goes down but you just counted the number and then at the end of the month everybody in the congregation would report just the number and you wouldn't necessarily, he wouldn't write down the name and the number. He only wrote down the number of invites. And so everybody turned that in and you know, where often you'll see posted up front, like what the attendance is or what the songs are, the number of invites that month was posted. And then as everyone saw each, as everyone observed that, they realized that there is a culture of inviting people like what you're describing. And so they were, you know, if, if it's in your culture, it's what you do too. You know, it, it's just like, this is who we are. This is what we do. And it just, you know, it's amazing how many invites um, that they do. Dana? And if you've invited, you've done the Lord's work that day. It's up to them to come or ask more questions or whatever. I have not failed if they don't show up. I have succeeded if I bring the gospel some way to somebody. Mm -hmm. Cindy, uh, Isla said, what gets measured gets done. 
I think that's oh, a good way. That is good a good thing. Thank you, Eileen. Yeah, yeah. So I, she put that on a chat message. So ah, thanks, Ella. And thanks, Isla, for being back there putting up our scriptures today. <laughs> Jill, did you have anything you wanted to add at this point? Um, what was your original question? You were asking about how we... Uh, what? How do we evaluate which activities are essential in life and which are not? So yes, Colleen says it's it, it, it has to do with somebody's eternal soul. <laughs> That's like the number one essential thing. So I got a little sidetracked listening to those good ideas, but um, I, but I was think I I think you know I'm not trying to please myself. I'm trying to please God. So my measuring stick is is this an activity or an an attitude or an action that God would approve of mm -hmm. you know, just doing this to please myself. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, I want to throw this in too. You know, when we look at the instructions of, you know, the older women are to train the younger women to love their husbands, to love their children. Um, and I think about maybe some of the young women listening to our conversation tonight going like, do you know how long, how much time it takes me just to do the laundry and keep everybody fed and to tend to my um, household responsibilities mm -hmm. and just maybe feeling super spread, super thin. The, the passage, I've always found the passage comforting that says um, that a cup of cold water in his name given, like even that and it's like how many sippy cups are you handing out every day like right. you're tending to these physical needs of these children you are tending to their souls you are you know what i mean uh, there's there's some things in life there's stages of life and you will have opportunities in the mom's group you know yeah. to say something or to start a little bible class with you know the ladies at your play group and that kind of thing but just um be encouraged look for those i those and don't don't consider i guess the service that you are offering to your family this is not something in competition for what you should be doing so i'm just saying good job because you're this is love you know this is being a servant this is beautiful dana you know when when i was young and had kids at home and was raising them and we homeschooled and so on and so forth and i used to get very frustrated because i would think oh i need to be studying with this person i need to be doing this i need to be doing that and i would express those frustrations and one day tall my husband said you know if you can just raise these kids to be christians you have done what you need to do and you'll have time later to do all that and that was very freeing for me and and i think i think that's kind of what you're addressing sometimes we beat ourselves up because especially as young mothers we don't have time to do all the things that maybe you and i are talking about but we need to raise our children to love god and if you do that you you will you will have such a satisfaction when you get our age. Mm -hmm. And and what is the scripture that talks about, you know, the joy is when I know my children are faithful to the Lord. I think John said that. No greater joy. Yeah. Yes, no greater joy. And isn't that true today? For mm -hmm. if your children are faithful to the Lord, what a mm -hmm. blessing that is. And they're now teaching their children and my great grandchildren, and and I think that's 
that's what's so important. Um, you know, in, in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 4, that's where Paul says, no one engaged in warfare himself with the affair, entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And I think that's that's what we're talking about. We've been enlisted as soldiers of Christ. We're told to put the armor of God on. And we need to make sure that we keep ever before us eternity. Um, yeah. I, I think Isla's got it. Yeah, there's a comment that Isla just posted. Uh, it says, conversation evangelism is what Jesus exemplified. Taking an interest in others, asking the right questions, listening to a person's worldview, and then providing answers that connect them with the truth of scripture. That was from Tama. Tamra Forsyth. Yeah, Thank you think you. of the woman at the well. Perfect example. Yeah, uh, and yeah. I don't think I, I don't see any reason that if you're if you are let's just use the example of a young mother, young father, they're covered up with you know just getting the laundry and doing all these things, but they also do they take their kids to I don't know chess class or and you know they take them to their piano lesson. Well, that's fine. I wouldn't tell somebody to not do that, but. Just make sure you take the gospel along wherever you are. Because ball wherever field or wherever, take the yeah. gospel along. And, yeah. it, and it helps to write it on, on an, a sticky note. Oh, yeah. make sure I talk to some people today. You know, tell yourself to do it and then you will do it. Mm -hmm. You're out pushing the stroller. You know, you, you connect with a neighbor who's out pulling weeds or, you know, probably not this time of year during a snowstorm, but, you know. <laughs> Shoveling yeah. the sidewalk. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, shoveling your sidewalk. So, yeah, you're going to have opportunities left and right if you just keep your eye open no matter what stage in life that you're in. And so we talked a little bit about guilt. And so I'm going to go in for a little while, ladies, and talk just a little bit about what kinds of things we're going to be talking about, um, you know, what motivates us, what fuels our actions. And so... You know, in the world, there's all kinds of things that fuel the world toward what they're pursuing or it just and it may not even be something that they know is motivating them or driving their life, as some say. So the first thing that a Christian does not need to be fueled by is guilt for past mistakes, because we are utterly forgiven. And when we repent and our gratitude for that forgiveness can be a wonderful drive driver in our lives. So first John one nine says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So don't let guilt for past mistakes drive your life. That will really just immobilize you. And there's no reason for it. God has utterly forgiven you of all the sins that you've ever um, committed. So, Another thing that often the world would be fueled by that we need not be fueled by is resentment. So uh, Mark 11, 25 through 26 says, whenever you stand praying, forgive for you have, if you have anything against anyone so that your father who is in heaven will also forgive your transgressions. So holding on to bitterness costs you your own forgiveness and you cannot afford that. So we need to let resentment never drive our life. We always need to um, be driven by much cleaner fuel that in a minute, I'm going to ask my sisters, what's the clean fuel? But before we're there, I want to say 
anger. Let's not let anger be the thing that pushes us through life. There's a lot of angry people in this world and anger is not going to help you achieve your spiritual goals. James 1, 19 through 20 says, for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. So there's a difference between righteous indignation, you know, that pushes you to, fuels you to battle darkness, you know, to speak up against things that um, are opposed to the goodness of God. But this is not what this verse, this verse says for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. So um, it's not clean fuel um, and really needs to be kind of a big red flag saying, hey, look out, you may be feeling like, why are you angry? Remember when God asked Cain that, why are you angry? Whenever you're angry, ask yourself, why am I angry? Sometimes if you dig deep, you'll realize, hey, I just need to examine myself. I'm feeling maybe selfish, like I'm not, you know, people are blocking my goals or that kind of thing. That's more of a self-driven thing. So evaluate yourself. Why am I angry? And then Colossians 3, it says that we can actually make a decision to put anger aside. A uh, couple more, a few more here. Fear. Let's not let fear be the fuel that makes us do what we do in life. Um, Proverbs 9, 10 says, um, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but using fear of people or, or the future or anything else can cause us to miss opportunities, kind of like the ones we've been talking about, uh, opportunities to talk about God and that kind of thing if we're driven by fear. And so, and it can really be, really you could say a self-imposed prison. You know, it keeps you from the freedom of speaking up and really pursuing what, what would honor God. So um, 2 Corinthians 3, 4 through 5 says, Such confidence we have through Christ toward God, not that we are adequate in ourselves to, cons to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is coming our adequacy is from God. So we need to be confident instead of fearful. And our confidence is not in ourselves. It's through Christ because our adequacy is from God. Materialism motivates a lot of people. Christians are not to be motivated by materialism. Our God is our security. He is our true helper. And um, we need to fix our hope not on the uncertainty of riches, 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19, but on God who richly supplies us with all things. And then finally, peer pressure. Yes. Peer, you know, <laughs> so many people right now are driven by peer pressure. And this can be even, this can be very temp tempting, especially in, if you're young. I think you maybe you, you sense it more. And I mean, I think we all have this inborn desire to be loved and accepted, but we can become ruled by this desire when it becomes like our prime objective. And we'd rather be admired and approved more um, by people than standing up for truth. And so the acceptance of good people um, will be a byproduct of right living, but should never be our motivation. So really it's like what Paul says in Galatians 1.10, for am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Am I striving to please men? If I was striving to please men, I would not be a bondservant of God. So letting go of peer pressure is one of the most freeing experiences that you'll ever have. When you know when you start caring only how God evaluates you, you are gonna feel like you've been born again. <laughs> Amen. 
you know, put yourself under the pressure of people. So what, ladies, um, I have just mentioned several things like let's not be fueled by this. What should be the clean fuel? What should be the motivation for us doing what we should be doing? What are your thoughts? Jill, you want to start us off on this one? You know, I'm making a list as you're talking about okay. all the motivators, <laughs> and I'm like, gratitude can keep us from focusing on those negative things. Just being so thankful that we have opportunities to please God. And of course, we know the number one is love, love for God. And he says, if we love God, Jesus says it's like loving your neighbors just like that. So so love and gratitude, I think, would be maybe my two strongest things I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Beautiful. Uh, Dana, what do you think? Um, you know, when when I was looking at this, I, I was thinking about Romans chapter one, where Paul started talking about what caused the Gentiles to leave him. And it goes back to this gratitude. They were not thankful. They knew he was he existed, but they were not thankful and they didn't remember him. And and it's interesting as you look at Romans chapter one and beginning around verse 21, um, it says that although they knew God, you know, they didn't honor him as God or give thanks to him. Um, and and it says like, I don't know, three, four times God gave them up. God mm-hmm. gave them up. He let them do what they wanted to do. And what it resulted in down in verses, um, starting with verse 28, um, Isla can pull that up for us. It says that, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, he gave them up, gave them over to debased mind to do the things which are not fitting. And what happened? They became filled with unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, Envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil mindedness, whispers, biters or backbiters, haters of God and and inventors of evil things. I mean, none of this stuff does anybody like. I mean, I don't know anybody in the world who thinks any of that stuff is good. Mm-hmm. And and it just it just goes on and on until they they didn't even know who God was. And I just want to make the point that. When when we um, when we have God in our lives, we have we have light, we have peace, we have we have design, we see order, we see good things. But when we take God out of our lives or we ban Him from our lives, what does it result in? It results in all of these terrible things that none of us like, and darkness as opposed to light, evilness, and which do I want reflected in my life? And I think about the fruits of the spirit and versus the fruits of the flesh. And which do I want my life full of? And I think those when we when we realize that and recognize that, I don't I don't want to be associated with with the things of the flesh. And that's what God calls us to make I mean, he makes it very clear. Here's here's your choice. You can have this 
or you can have this. You can have darkness or you can have light. And we have to choose, but it's a daily choice. Yeah. Moment by moment often, right? If, are you going to be a part of the solution or a part of the problem? You yeah. Know? Yeah. Uh -huh. What are your thoughts on clean fuel, Colleen? Uh, well, I thought I would start with 1 Corinthians 16, 13. All right. Our producer can get that up if Isla can get that up for us. Um, and it's love. Uh, we've already talked about the uh, uh, Dana and Jill have both mentioned these things, but I, I'm going to mention them some more because I think that it's love for God first, love for his commands and love for our, our other people. So let's see in uh, verse 13, 16, 13 is uh, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong let all that you do be done with love. Mm -hmm. And then Luke 10, I believe it's Luke 10, 27, if I'm not incorrect. Uh, Luke 10, 27. Uh, this is talking about, um, Jesus said that the, the um, greatest commands. So he answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind. And your neighbor as yourself. And I know those can sound like platitudes to people, and very, you know, if and not practical. But it it really is. You got to have that as your basis, or you'll lose faith, you'll lose heart, you'll get discouraged. If you can keep your eyes on God and on what He wants you to do, um, you will you will succeed. Absolutely. Yes, the different parts we're supposed to love the Lord our God with our heart and our soul and our mind and our strength. And so we can use that as we're deciding, okay, for example, loving God with your mind. Um, am I putting before my eyes and my ears things that glorify God? And that if God, if Jesus was sitting right here next to me, would he listen to that song? Would he watch that movie? Would he, you know, leave that video on, you know, the screen? So, Loving the Lord with all of your mind and really using your mind, not just to avoid the darkness, but growing in your knowledge to his glory. When I think about strength, I think about all those service opportunities. But I mean, it really expands um, in all kinds of ways. The strength to resist temptation with our heart. I think about your emotions, you know, like with meaning and feeling and singing from your heart and that kind of thing. And all of that is... Um, benefits your soul and your spirit and so i had the same the same thought there calling that really the best fuel is to love god and it does like you said really everything else falls into place um and some of the expressions of loving god with all of your heart soul mind and strength is really to trust him and believe him when he talks about this spiritual battle that we're in that we're um engaged in in life in life you know in uh, ephesians 6 10 through 18 gives you all these elements that god gifts you in order to help you survive the spiritual battle of life so i think these four things i was thinking are clean fuel motivated by wanting to survive that spiritual battle of life that we read about in ephesians 6 10 through 12 you know that we'll be victors um in this battle for keeping our souls alive 
Um, we can also be motivated by the prize that we read about in Philippians 3, 13 and 14. Um, when Paul says, brethren, I don't regard myself as holding, having laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on to the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He had some clean fuel going there. His focus on reaching forward spiritually um, like an athlete. And so greater focus. Um, we could be motivated. A healthy motivation is wanting to be ready to give an account to God for how we used our talents and our opportunities, our energy, our relationships, our resources. You yeah, know? if you want to talk about it, that's probably a test. If you're yeah. eager to talk about it, <laughs> if yeah. you're a little sheepish or a little embarrassed, that's probably a red flag for you. Mm -hmm. And then finally, motivated by the desire for the grace of the return of Christ. So, First Peter. Uh, well, I think about, first of all, I think about Luke 18, 13, where um, the man is in the temple and he says, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. <laughs> you know, I can I can hardly imagine anything else to say when I first see God is God, be merciful to me, the sinner. And I know that obtains his favor because it basically is saying, I know where I stand. You know, I stand utterly dependent on your grace and mercy. But Luke, uh, I mean, First Peter 1.13 is very encouraging. It says, therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. First Peter 1.13. So when my hope is focused entirely upon the opportunities that grace has brought into my life, it is a sobering reminder that spurs me um, to act like with gratitude in how I use my time. Cindy, is that the verse that in the, like the King James and the New King James says, gird up the loins of your mind? Um, you prepare your minds for action. I, my guess would be yes. Um, and if it is, it's like, get, you know, get, get yeah. your clothes bound up and get ready to run and use some force. Like an athlete. Yes. Spiritual athlete is what we're supposed to be a spiritual athlete. And that takes a lot of working out, <laughs> which means yeah. talking. You know, I, I was going to say, I think one of the things and one of the scriptures, well, there were two or three of them, but one in particular that I looked at is Psalms 46, where, where he, where he says, be still and know that I am God mm -hmm. and I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. And okay. I think, you know, we see that he's our protector and he's our refuge. But what we really need to see is who he is. And like you said, who I am. Yeah. And be merciful to me. If we recognize who it is we serve. Yeah. What a powerful God we have. And he only wants good for me. And he knows that if I exalt him and I honor him and I glorify him, that is that is fuel for me to to know what my role is in life and and to know who I serve and what he what he is to me, what he it's not so much what he can do for me but what he's already done for me mm. and how, how much he is worthy to be glorified and mm. to be exalted and to be remembered. 
Um, you know, one one of the things you said in your in your question was when we I, I want to say oh when we're driven by our our own human recognition that we want to be that's that's what I understood it to to mean and I think about how many times we're told to be humble um, yeah. and that that's a that's a clean fuel to mm -hmm. remember who I am and who mm -hmm. he is mm -hmm. and. And, and if I do that, it, it is going to motivate me to see things in God's light, not my light. Which that's makes you, it, that's the part where you can be still and know that God is God. Yeah. What a comfort of just, I think that stillness. Well, the first thing I think about is be still like kind of like quietness. That, but I think it's also an inner peace that, that you're blessed with for having yes. trusted everything that he says, you know, yeah. Yeah. anything else you want to add to this, Jill? Um, I'm glad you mentioned trust because I was really thinking of that, that being it's, he's a foundation for us and an anchor for us. If we find ourselves getting off track, you know, mm. you know we can, uh, but the, um, you know, the Israelites so many times didn't trust God because they didn't believe he was going to do what he said he was going to do. Yeah. And it's, we can count on him. We can, and he's given us so much evidence that we can count on him. They had all those plagues. They had, they saw the Egyptians drowned in the Red Sea. He had done so many things, but I think it's very it's a very, as we look at that example of how could they be so forgetful for that track record that God was going to take care of them. What track record, think about this in your journaling, what track record has God in your life shown you? You can trust me. You know, how many times have it's I read like you? And, and the pressure's <laughs> off of us because, you know, like Colleen's talking about doing these things that can help others with their salvation you can have studies with people, but we can take the pressure off ourselves because we know salvation is from the Lord. Yes. Amen. Don't have any personal pressure to save someone else's soul because that's between God and that person. But we can okay. we can help them find how to access that. You just put the truth out there. Yep. All right. Last question tonight, ladies. What has helped you not become attached to this temporary existence? Colleen, what has helped you not become too attached to this temporary existence? I try to limit a lot of uh, unnecessary messages from the world, like a lot of commercials, shows, video games, things where somebody's got a, a message they're trying to give me. I yeah. don't completely live in a cave or anything, but I really have, I, in the past 30 years, I have really, really diminished that like the number of commercials that I hear in, 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 in a day. I mean, mm -hmm. it's very, almost never. And occasionally mm -hmm. I'll go to the doctor's office or something and there'll be this TV on, there'll be a TV on and it just looks so crazy to me because I just really yeah. haven't been watching broadcast TV mm -hmm. uh, for, for several decades, it helps me a lot. Now, I'm not saying that that you need to completely not be a part of the world because we are to be in the world, but you don't have to inundate yourself with a bunch of messages that are clearly against what God 
wants for us or in, even neutral. We need, we need to be motivated to do God's will. We need those messages. Yeah, definitely. I'm so offended when I'm in an airplane seat and it's right here and I'm like, how do I get, because I don't, I don't do any of that either. Um, Paige Perry is saying so powerful, Jill. So Jill, you are moving Paige Perry in a big way. So <laughs> she loved your comment, just so you know. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> Dana, any thoughts here on what has helped you to become, uh, not become too attached to this temporary existence? Age is one. <laughs> But I think, I think, you know, losses in your life mm -hmm. and you, you figure out it's all temporary. It can mm -hmm. be here today and gone tomorrow. And mm -hmm. I think we often forget that. And, um, you know, I, I, I think I've said it before. I like my stuff and so on and so forth, but I know I can leave the house tomorrow and it can be gone by the time I get back. And yep. those, are, those are good reminders. And if you've moved around a lot, like we have, like you probably have, I mean, you, it's all temporary, including your friends to some extent. And um, so I think those, those kinds of things. And I think the, the more we build a relationship with God, the more we get to know God, the more he makes that, so obvious yeah. yeah yeah your thoughts jill yeah i i'm agreeing with dana i think we had a big discussion about things that were discouraging and disappointing in our lives but all of those things we can use those to help motivate Excellent. us mm -hmm. yeah. to be you know have a positive outlook about reaching the end you know finishing the yeah. race um gaining the prize Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll be glad be when than what we've got here. Yeah, I will be. Uh, I'll be glad when pain is a thing of the past. I'll, yeah. I would say pain, especially emotional pain. I'm not going to miss that in the next life. Injustice makes me often ready for you know living in the immediate presence of God, where there is no injustice. You know, we see so many people being hated for doing what is right and rewarded for doing what is wrong um, yeah. right now and that incompatibility that we have with the evil um, ideas of this world. So all of that, mm -hmm. I am very much looking to be done with. So mm -hmm. what are the advantages of having our hearts and minds truly set on things above the here and now? I think Colossians 3.1, there's a deep piece where we can, um, I guess we're less emotionally vested in the culture, you know, there's yeah. a piece that comes with that. Um, when you're just sort of like passing through, you have a detached kind of mindset. Um, yeah, you have a detached kind of mindset that lends itself to maybe a more, I guess you could say, objective perspective about the things that are beyond our control. So that's that's what I was thinking on this. Colleen, anything you wanted to add to um, the advantages of having our hearts and minds truly set on things above? Well, uh, I think that uh, we shouldn't leave this conversation before recognizing that you know, Jesus told his disciples, "I'm I 
I'm leaving you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. You know the way. But, and they probably would have been happy right then to just follow him to heaven. But he said, but, but the reality of it is that I've got work for you to do right now, here and now. So, you know, it's too easy to sit in quiet meditation and think about eternity. And that's a good thing. I'm not discouraging that. But we have to understand that as long as we're on this earth, we have our own, we have work to do. We have things to do. We have ways of glorifying God. And we, we can't let those things go by the wayside. Uh, so I, I think some of that ties in with what you're saying, you know, what, what makes it a joy in this world to know that eternity is out there and that our citizenship is in heaven. It's mm -hmm. having the work here to do and, and, you know, get the idea of being popular. You know, you said the detachment is like, if you can get over that, whether I'm popular or not, that's really irrelevant. Yep. Yes. We're here to make God popular. <laughs> yes. Dana, any closing thoughts on that? You, um, have you know, you, you quoted from Colossians, what was it? Three in verse one, I think, and two. Um, and, and if you go on and read three and four verses three and four, it says, set your mind on things above, not on the things of the earth for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ who's our life, who is our life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And that is huge motivation to me. Yeah. Amen to that. What are your final thoughts, Jill? Uh, my thoughts are the path is narrow and the way is straight. And if we, you have to set your mind, you have to train your mind, you have to think of those mm -hmm. things. You're not going to accidentally get through that gate. Mm -hmm. And, and mm -hmm. if we're setting our minds on things above, we have the assurance we can have that peace of mind mm -hmm. that hey, this is the way God wants me to do. It's tough, but I can do this. Mm -hmm. And that, that's really builds us up, I think. And he'll give you that strength, right? To do it. Right. Yeah. The strength comes from the Lord, not from ourselves. Wow. What a beautiful conversation, sisters. Um, just we have everything to look forward to. When we're living for eternity, All we have all the best to look forward to. And so what a blessing to be a child of God and to have lives that are filled with such purpose. You know, so much direction, so much hope. You know, and so everything, everything that matters most, we have to look forward to. So thank you. Thank you for all of your good Bible study and preparation for this conversation. Thank you so much for viewers, for all of your encouraging comments that that you brought to us. And so we are looking forward to another conversation this coming Thursday night. And so we hope you'll join us for that. And until then, God bless. Yeah. Bye.